I was looking at the different scenarios of energy demand and emissions. There is always a scenario that is, okay, the scenario in which we are going to meet 1.5 degrees or well below 2 degrees. And if you look at the assumptions that are behind that scenario, they were mostly unrealistic. And that's the moment when I realized, wow, I don't think we're going to make it. Welcome to the RISE Podcast. This is Julia. And I am Kanukea. And we are your hosts. Today, we're interviewing Marco Duso, a principal at the Climate Action Center at the Boston Consulting Group. Marco, thank you so much for joining us today. We're very excited to hear more about your journey in impact in your career so far. So we would love to start off by learning a little bit about, you know, your education. Tell us about your time in university. Thank you for inviting me. A pleasure to be here and thanks for the initiative. So I started my studies in political sciences, which is a pretty unconventional choice. But as you can imagine, it was driven by really the passion for, for having an impact. At the time, I was thinking more about the public sector. I wanted to, to be a journalist, to, to work in potentially in the public sector. And yeah, that's how I chose my, my bachelor. As you can imagine, especially in Italy, but, but in most countries, Often when you go to people and you say, I will study political sciences, they, they're going to ask if you're crazy because it's not often a path that is very rewarding or very meritocratic. That's fascinating. So after studying that and wanting to go to journalism, how did you end up going to BCG as your first job? I think that's, that's an interesting question because... I think nowadays most young university students, especially in, in certain universities, tend to have some mentorship or you know some guidance. I have to admit at the time, I didn't really have a clear view of opportunities in the job market. And, and probably my only mentor really has been my father, who is a passionate reader. And he came to me once and he told me, have you heard about these companies, BCG, McKinsey, Bain, that basically they do strategy? And I'm like, okay, this sounds cool. And so that led me to, to start thinking more and more about, you know, potentially moving in toward the private sector. So I did my master in international management. And then that led to a choice of career toward the private sector and consulting specifically. Right. Tell us a little bit about your time at BCG. What did you learn? What did you work on starting off? So I started BCG, I think now it's probably almost 10 years ago. When I started, obviously, when you get into consulting and strategy consulting, you're a generalist. So you change practices. So I experimented a bit of everything. But in particular, I was working in the energy practice and working a bit across different topics. So there, there wasn't really a strong focus on, on impact, I would say, at, at the time. And then I did my MBA at the London Business School. And I joined the London office because initially I was in the Milan office of, of BCG. And I'm super happy that I did my MBA. Not just because of the friends and, and, and people that I met there, including my wife, but also because of the impact that it had in my career. I mean, the move to London, for sure, but also how it opened the opportunities and like I experienced other sectors, built a network. Uh, and especially, I think, like the prejudice that I had in terms of like meeting people that were all only career driven, I think was wrong. I met some incredibly interesting people. Do you feel like you got... Any exposure to social impact at that time? Was that something you were actively thinking about or involved with in business school? 
I don't think so. I think it was always something I was passionate about, you know, across different areas and topics. But I think for me, it happened later. It actually happened during my first year back in this gym in London. And I, I think it's been a trigger. And I think like most people on, on climate, for sure, they have a trigger at a certain point, they click. And for a moment that you click, I don't think you can go back. And and last year, when for a project with World Economic Forum, I interviewed around 30 CEOs, I found that most of them had the same type of moment, whether it came from conversation with their children or work, uh, conversations with organizations or NGOs or investors. But it's really about clicking at a certain point. For me, it was a specific project for a global energy company where they was looking at the different scenarios of energy demand and emissions. And as you know, IEA and, and other institutions do these scenarios. And there is always a scenario that is, okay, the scenario in which we are going to meet 1.5 degrees or well below 2 degrees. And if you look at the assumptions that are behind that scenario, they were mostly unrealistic. And that's the moment when I realized, wow, I don't think we're going to make it. And that was the moment that I clicked and I decided, you know, that that would be probably my mission for the next decade or so. Wow, that is very, very fascinating. Can you talk a little bit about how you started specializing on energy at BCG? And then why you decided to stay with BCG to do that instead of, you know, working for something very passionately clean tech or focused on the, you know, exclusively focused on energy? It's been a bit of a journey. And from the moment that I clicked, also my perspective changed a bit of what I expected in terms of my career also in BCG. And the good thing is that I think consulting, for sure, an organization like BCG, even if it's a very large one, it offers definitely an environment to be entrepreneurial. So the way I approached it is that I've tried to bring internally the attention to topics, for example, related to the energy transition, and found partners who were willing to listen, to discuss, and ultimately to invest. We started to invest to develop content there, and, and we started conversations with the clients. Because effectively, energy companies is a while that they've been thinking about the energy transition for utilities, energy transition came already. And, and for oil and gas, I mean, it's, it's never been more real than, than now. And, and so we started these conversations and, and projects ultimately. And that started to become incredibly interesting because I started to build my expertise, started to go from one client to the other. And, and that's still what keeps me here today. The ability to be entrepreneurial within BCG to, to push, you know, new boundaries in terms of topics. And I realized how much impact you can have in consult. If you ask me why I'm still here today, I definitely would say that probably the impact that I've been having in the past years is probably number one reason. We'd love to hear more about some of the examples in that space. So obviously, there are very different stereotypes about the impact that you can have in consulting. Maybe a couple of examples are working for governments, which are becoming increasingly potential clients that are very interested in strategic thinking also about climate, uh, has been very rewarding. If you think about now the economic recovery from COVID, there are so many opportunities to make this recovery greener and to restart the economy by creating green jobs. And green jobs are not just renewables, that's a fraction of the jobs that can be created you know, in the transformation of the economy to net zero. An important fraction, but still, there are so many other areas. We have to change the overall uh, society and the economy. 
working for governments and helping you know different teams, not just my own project, but helping different teams in this area has been great. Another example has been working with institutions such as the World Economic Forum, where if you think about it, you can act a bit as a multiplier of impact. So it's not just about what you do with your own project, but it's about you know how you lock system change. I think that's the beauty of, of working, for example, with those institutions. Just convening events to have certain conversations, launch initiatives. For example, the, during the project last year, the World Economic Forum uh, during Davos uh, asked all of its members to commit to net zero. And I think it's going to be a journey, but only the fact that the World Economic Forum, which is an institution that has always been neutral, took a, such a strong stance on climate and the commitment to net zero, I think it's very impactful. Systemic change is it's slow and it takes everyone, right? But I think like appreciating how you can you can make these triggers happen, I think it's very powerful. So this is absolutely great and very inspiring. But I think that some of the people may wonder, consulting in the end is just about advising and you're never sure if your clients are actually going to implement what you say. Do you feel that this is a challenge or what are the type of challenges that you actually feel in your job? Yeah, I think, thanks, Julia, that's definitely part of a stereotype. I mean, I cannot say that it never happens, right? That the client doesn't listen or that the client doesn't implement what, what was discussed. I think that's part of the game. But I think just having bringing the client to think about climate in the right strategic way can be very impactful. And I think like the real impact is not just about, you know, the slide deck and framing and, and the analysis, but has to be when you actually activate things. I think more and more launching initiatives, creating a product, uh, those are things that consulting can do. And I think that's, I think definitely where you break the stereotype. I think it's part of it. But I think there is another big challenge, which is, what I'm often finding is that the clients can actually be more ambitious than than we think, or, or even more ahead, you know, in, in in the thinking. So what is definitely a challenge is having the right level of ambition. And that's something that I would encourage everyone to to increase. Interviewing CEOs last year, I was, you know, generally very surprised and positively impressed by how on top they are on climate topics and you know generally committed to change their strategies according to to that how can you spot the, those ceos that you interviewed that were saying things because they knew it was the right thing to say rather than to those that were actually believing in it as mentioned before i think there is a bit of a click in people about climate and i think like the ones that, that click, uh, they have a change of mindset, which is the following. From thinking that climate is about corporate social responsibility, they started to think that action on climate is actually in the best interest of their companies or of their governments. And I think that's the trigger that we need. Sustainability has often been seen as a nice to have, but actually we have to completely move away from that old stereotype and sustainability and, and, for example, climate action has to be embedded completely into the strategy. So the CEOs that are convincing, from my point of view, are simply the ones that are adapting their strategy. Ones that are just saying, okay, we are going to abate our emissions, offset our emissions, uh, do some side projects. 
that's not convincing. The ones that are convincing are the ones that are, you know, innovating their business model, changing their value proposition, acting across their value chain, also changing their operating model, so their organization. I think like we are seeing quite a bit of that now. I think though, to be honest, I think we are at the beginning of a trend. I think it's going to be an exponential curve and we are at the beginning of a trend. What resources did you have later on in your career that helped you hone in on working in sustainability compared to the earlier parts of your career? So definitely, I would say being part of an organization like BCG helps because you have like all sorts of resources and all sorts of like say expertise in different sectors and different functions that really helps, helps you to progress your thinking. And so being very honest, I think like the majority of expertise that I built, I built it for doing different projects in different areas. And then I think like the, obviously the experience of working at World Economic Forum has been amazing because there you have like a, a huge exposure to you know stakeholders of all sorts. You meet so many people that inspire you. And I think like the one, one beautiful thing of, of education nowadays is that any resource is available online, right? You can educate yourself. But you don't really have the need to go and you know study those subjects. You can really educate yourself and then being quite entrepreneurial. And I think that's one aspect of climate action that we never talk about enough, which is the need for entrepreneurs, which can be, you know, within consulting, in, in tech, in anything really, in investing, but we have to innovate, whether it's technology business model, but we, we need that type of spirit, type of attitude. So especially when you started off at BCG, you mentioned that you were focused on oil and gas and not always from a sustainability angle. Did you find that challenging at times personally to get yourself motivated to work on that? So oil and gas, good question. Oil and gas is a sector that has potential to contribute to the climate transition. Let me explain why. Yes, we have to electrify a lot of the energy use, but that's not going to be enough. And for certain areas, such as hydrogen, carbon capture, biofuels, the capabilities that today sit in oil and gas companies, which are huge companies, are extremely relevant. And if we just wait for new players to come in and innovate in energy or industrial sectors, it's going to take a long time. And definitely we're going to have you know, new players. But transforming the capabilities of these companies, I think that's a pretty interesting challenge. So to answer your question, I think like working in oil and gas, if you care about climate today, I think it's still possible. Obviously, there are some dilemmas. Obviously, it depends also on you know the things that you do. But I think like it's definitely interesting also from a climate point of view. Given that you transitioned into impact a little bit later into your career, do you ever regret that? And do you wish that you'd worked on this from the start? Or do you think your time doing other projects lends to your work now? I think I never regretted it. I think I may never go back because I think like the moment that you start to work with a stronger sense of purpose is almost addictive. <laughs> I don't think it's easy to to go back. Maybe, you know, in the future, I may change area. I don't know, like maybe in 10 years we have solved the climate problem <laughs> and I'm going to dedicate myself to other things but definitely not going back. In terms of the path, I would say it's 
definitely worth in early stage of your career working in areas that maximize your learning, your skills. So I would say it's good to work on anything, being an entrepreneur, working in consulting, doing investing, you know, being in an environment where you can learn as much as possible skills that you can then apply later. Obviously, you can start in impact as well. I think in some cases can be a bit more challenging to find environments that can train you, can make you learn as much as you would do in others, but it's possible for sure and things are changing rapidly. But yeah, so I think, uh, yeah, I'm pretty happy about, about the path. So often people consider working in sustainability or impact to be less glamorous or less challenging than working in other areas. Do you feel that or what are your thoughts on that? I think this is an excellent question. And I think it comes from from the past. And that's the shifting paradigm that we have to make. Sustainability is not anymore the nice to have. It's not about the side initiative. It's not about marketing. All that is the past. And if you allow me to be provocative, even I would say we may not need chief sustainability officers in the future. Sustainability has to be embedded, has to sit with the CEO or the prime minister of a government and has to sit in the business line, in the line of the, of the government. It has to be embedded in the strategy. So working in sustainability, working in climate is not anymore, you know, working on, on a nice to have, but is working on the core. And from that point of view, actually, it is extremely rewarding, but is also extremely challenging because it's going to mean changing business models, changing you know priorities. I always make the analogy between digital and climate. You know, the past five years, every large company has been scrambling to, to you know to transform from a digital point of view to get an advantage digitally. And I think climate and sustainability is going to be exactly the same. We're just at the beginning of a wave. Companies, investors, governments that are going to move faster in a decisive way, in a smart way, playing to their strengths, are going to build a massive advantage. And I think from that point of view, you know, soon sustainability and climate will not be a thing anymore. It will be embedded in everything. On that note, do you think if you have a purposeful career, you have to work in a mission-driven organization? I think certainly helps. You can try to change the organization where you're in. One of the most impactful things that individuals can do. So if I think about, you know, the things that an individual can do to lower their emissions, sure, you can change the way you eat, you can change the way the amount you fly, how you move. But really it's about the influence that you have. And the things that you can influence most are usually your organization and, and the community, your society. So I would say, first of all, see if you can change your organization to be more mission-oriented, to have a clear purpose, to change priorities. Otherwise, I think, yes, if you don't, don't find yourself aligned to the mission of your organization, it makes sense to change priorities. For people recruiting for a career in impact, what advice do you have? Uh, recruiting, you mean people who are applying? Yeah, who are looking for jobs in to have a purposeful career? So I think, uh, first of all, and it may sound rhetoric, but it is about choosing the area where you have most passion. Because then the moment that you have passion driving, you actually can be more entrepreneurial. 
and wherever you're going to work, because these are all areas, you know, where we are pushing the boundaries. You're going to have to be entrepreneurial. You're going to have to innovate. You have to be, you know, pushing the organization that you're going to be part of. So I would say choose the area where you have passion. And then the other thing that for me is critical is the people that you're going to work with. I mean, definitely prioritize your, you know, the type of organization and the type of people, the, the characters that you will work with. I mean, ideally, people who believe who share the same purpose and a mission. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Rise podcast and consider leaving us a review. If you want to receive additional resources to enter the social impact sector, please sign up to our newsletter on riseproject.uk.